All right, I'm gonna do a little intro on you and then I'll bring you on in. Oh dear. Yeah. I'm nervous. I wrote a little thing for you. Don't be nervous. It's all good. We're just sitting here drinking beer. That's right. That's all it is. Hey y'all, welcome back to Beer and Ballet's podcast, part two of Christina Robson's interview. Last time that we left her, we were learning a little bit more about her time with Bill T. Jones, Arnie Zane Dance Company, Um, really the beginning of it, like how she auditioned, where she was before that, a little bit of her dance and childhood, some really cool, fun stuff. So if you didn't check that out first, highly suggest that you check out Christina Robson's part one interview. But if you're all caught up, ready to go, let's get into it. So that's really... Ugh, ugh, chills. Yeah, yeah, I know, I miss it. Yeah. What was, um, as we're going down memory lane, do you have a favorite moment that happened with your time? And this could be with like David Dorfman too, or anybody from your past. You don't have to just stick with um, Bill T and Arnie, but. So hard to choose. Well, I would I have different memories for different things. Just one that popped into my head because we were talking about D-Man just made me crack up laughing is that we we have like a couple different costumes that we rotate through the cast for that work, depending on who's in the company and and whatnot. And they try to tailor the look of that person's role to the original. Mm -hmm. But there are like a couple different variations on each person's costume. and a few of us wear flight suits, like uh, army green flight suits that are one piece zip ups. And we were in Italy, I think. And um, for whatever reason, whoever unpacked the costumes, they switched my flight suit with this other guy, Shane. And my flight suit felt great. I didn't notice, you know, cause his was a little bigger than mine. So it didn't bother me. I was like, this is great. Having a good show, whatever. Killing it, killing the game. <laughs> over at Shane and he can't even do a butt roll like because it it was so tight between between the crotch and the neck I don't know if we had we must have had like a quick change or something and D-Man was closing the program so he just like put it on and and like places so he didn't have a chance to notice how tight it was till we were dancing and like he couldn't he couldn't even curve his spine. So he, <laughs> he did all of D-Man in this tiny, like hunched over position. And we're, we're like brother and sister. He and I are so close. And so we were just fucking losing it. Every time there's a lot of entrances and exits. And every time we would be off long enough to be like, make eye contact, we were just dying. But we yeah. never did a long enough switch, like, uh, break to switch suits so he just had to deal with it oh Um. (laughs) but nothing happened right like no no bustage of any nothing nothing happened he just had a pretty weird show oh yeah wow well (laughs) that was also I think that was the same show that um there's a duet in D-Man called the Fred and Ginger duet I couldn't tell you exactly why and, and that's the cool thing about repertory too, is that like, it's taught to you as this like named section. Sometimes you never get to know the like story behind why the original cast named it that. And Vincent, Vincent Fraley, he's on his knee 
and I do like a couple pirouettes and then slow down and grab his arm and then I'm supposed to go off and he's supposed to follow me and the duet continues. Right. So I grab his arm and I turn away from him and I and I go swim, swim up the corner and like plie into attitude and I look back and he's still on his knee. And I'm like, what the heck, this is weird. And I don't skip a beat, I just keep going with the material. And then I see him slowly brace himself on his knee with his arms and he stands up like an old man, so slowly. And then just looks like he's so beautiful, like he's this chiseled, gorgeous man. He like looks longingly toward the wing and I just watch him slowly walk off stage. And I'm like, what? So I just keep, I'm panicked. And I love to improvise, mind you. I like love to improvise, but it's D-man. So I'm like, so I, I want to do it well. I got to do it right. So I just stick to the exact movements that I would do in the duet. Sure. But it's like partnering. So I'm by myself. Like, <laughs> like, oh my God, Janet after the show was like, you couldn't have come up with anything anything else to do like it, I, I just stopped the plan I was like pretending to pick up like an imaginary waist like yeah oh wow <laughs> I was just like I don't know I'm just gonna stick to my map this is what I do right I was miming basically moving a 200 pound man and it's because his knee dislocated so oh my god and he was able to walk off stage he was like wow yeah he has this thing like really loose joints or something and so one of his knees like his patella just like slips out yeah and then he like he like bends his knee off stage and just like I'm sure every PT that ever listens to this would like cringe but he just kind of like slams his leg straight and it's like and it goes back in that's insane. I mean, but you did like, I would probably do the same thing because in my brain, I'm like, okay, here's a choreographer that has like a really strict repertoire. I am going to follow the repertoire because that's my contract. Like, right. It, it like contract. And then also just like honor. Like yeah, I was like, the gut of that. who am I to just like scribble around in here? This is like history. So I'm just gonna do what I know. Yep. There's like a lift where he's like on my back and we like, we like teeter totter, you know, he goes up, I go up or something like that. Yeah. And I just remember like, <laughs> it looks so silly when you're on your own. It just looks like you're bending over in different directions. <laughs> but I stuck, I stuck to the plan. So the plan for our listeners, I just got like a visual of what it looked like and it's <laughs> It's very entertaining from my end. I don't know about on stage. <laughs> they were probably like, this is an interesting solo. It's a very interesting solo. <laughs> I think it's great. Uh, uh, all right. So now let's fast forward. Let's stop from memory lane. You're here. You're in Maryland. Why yeah. here? I'm here. Why am I here? I mean, I know why you're here as a person and as a soul and as a spirit, but. Oh, I don't know because I had big questions because I always have big doubts. Sure. I feel like building a career in dance can be so, so taxing on your, your ego, your kind of sense of purpose. I just, it's the roller coaster for me where sometimes I feel like, oh, wow, I feel like I'm serving others and I feel like I'm making art that impacts 
other people's lives, both the, the people I'm building it with and those relationships and the people that come into the theater that get to see something new and provoke their mind in different ways. And that feels, uh, it gives me a sense of purpose and a sense of drive and identity. Um, but then at the same time, I feel, sometimes I feel like it can be so self, like self-indulgent and just the idea, the act of performing and like being up on a stage and allowing, allowing gaze to, to fall upon you in a certain way. And like all of the competition of it and, and all of the like strife that goes into getting a company and a show off the ground. And then it kind of feels like, and for what, like, wait, what are we doing? And um, yeah, I just, I really struggle with that. And again, going back to this class thing, that for me felt like a different way to kind of engage community and ritual and action. And I felt like I could provide a service, you know, two days a week in New York when I would teach these drop-in classes that would challenge people, that would bring people together, that would allow people to have like a sweaty epiphany, you know, and that made me feel like I was doing something and in, in giving back and but I but I really struggled with with those questions and and um also as I was getting into my 30s feeling like what's the longevity of this career where is it going New York is expensive <laughs> with all of those questions kind of bouncing off of each other yeah I, I looked to grad school and I got an email from Maura saying is this something that you'd ever be interested in and I said well, I said, let me, let me take this opportunity and see if it kind of brings me more toward that feeling of service and passion that I felt in teaching. And then what's so ironic is that I got this fellowship the first year of grad school that I think is trying to offer you more space in your schedule so you don't have to teach that first year. Right. But then not having that teaching component <laughs> I felt more lost last year than I ever have because I was like, I just took my whole identity, dropped it, moved to Maryland where I don't know anybody, you know, Yeah. in a, in a program, you know, after being out of university for a decade or more and then not, not feeling connected to any of those things that I know, except reading books about dance theory. And I was like, what am I doing? <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 And it's a hard transition. And I've watched you teach class. Yeah. And I mean, the amount of passion that you bring into the room is just absolutely, it's a beautiful thing to witness. And then seeing the kids and like, I always call them kids, but like, yeah. you know, I know they're young adults, but they're kiddos. Yeah. But just watching them like so starry eyed as you're just you're describing the simplest thing of a jump <laughs> and you're making it fun and entertaining and um, and challenging, too, because, you know, the, the thing of a jump, you like stand on two feet, bend your knees, press into the floor, jump up, jump down. But you have this wonderful gift of making that interesting, even to people who have never stepped in a dance class before. And that's what speaks to your experience is like you have so many different people from that family tree that you created to pull from. 
right of, you know of talking about the simplest of things yeah and is- I feel like I never get bored of that like I right. I just love watching the way that people think the patterns that they put together what their values are what they choose to talk about in like in the same exercise mm-hmm. between people you know what stands out as taking precedence and then how they break it down or and also like learning about what lands for students Mm. how that's like always a guessing game like you have this grand plan of what you're going to bring into the room when you prep a class and then you like start out with a where you think you're going to start or you don't even start because you walk into the room and you feel the energy and you're like we can't start on the floor yeah these these are standing up people today, you know, or (laughs) whatever. And then you're thinking on the fly, which I also love because I love to improvise. I mean, it makes me fucking batshit crazy, like nervous because Mm -hmm. I'm doubting myself the whole time. But I like how it feels to be composing a class in the moment. Like I have materials, I have a plan, but you have to constantly make detours and adjust and correct and edit and yeah, and it is, it's what it it is performing in a way too, you know, because you're you're sustaining energy systems that are cyclical in the room. So like you feel that the energy is falling and you insert something to bring it back up. And sometimes I rely on my personhood to do that, which can be really exhausting. So I'm trying to be a little more clever about how your actions of what you pocket where in terms of the material in the class, how can the material do that work of like calibrating a space so that it just doesn't turn into like a shitty stand-up show where I'm like, yep, 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 to try to like (laughs) keep people engaged, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, and I feel like that that's some conversations I've had with some of our, um, some of our friends from beer and ballet is that they try to find even adult classes to like jump back into. So for instance, like they danced when they were 12 but then, you know, they chose a different path in college or in wherever they went. And now they're in their thirties and they're trying to jump back into class again. And, you know, they have that background, right. Of, I, I know these steps. I know the definitions. I like, I stuck with it and, um, and studied it. I just want to dance and I want to move. And I, and there's the conversation of like, well, then you have to find the right teacher and the right program for you of, you know, here's Christina talking right now of, you know, put it into practice right away. Like I, I trust your body will get there. Let's just experiment and play and see what happens. And if it doesn't get there, then we'll break it down. Yeah. Um, but you know, it, it's human nature, right? Like it's human nature that we want to play and we want to explore. And a lot of like, we walk into the room as we're older because we want to move. <laughs> like right. we're bored, not moving. So there's gotta be a reason why there's gotta be like a, a human backstory to it to make us want to move. And how sad that there's something that that kind of stifles that impulse. Like, like mm. I'm supposed to be, I'm supposed to have all this training, you know, I've been doing this since I was five and I'm still nervous to take a drop-in class because I'm like, oh, I don't know what it's going to be like. I might not be able to pick up the moves. I don't know. You know, maybe they'll teach too fast. Maybe I'll get lost, you know. Right. And it's like, it's like, why, where the hell does that come from that you can sniff that out when you come into a room sometimes and you're like, oh shit, I just got nervous. 
so that, that play gets like squeezed out you know so I feel like I'm always really taken with teachers that can like coat the space with like welcome come in here get weird you know don't like no judgment play try it on fail fall over try again right you know and um I feel like David David Dorfman and Sean Curran both both of them incredible examples of people that are able to do that time and time again. I mean, I've taken hundreds of their classes and in every possible situation in countries abroad where, you know, we don't have a translator and nobody speaks the same language and they're able to do it then, you know, without language, make people feel like they have agency and they can laugh and goof, goof around to find their way, you know? beer and ballet crew just wanted to give you a quick reminder we said it last week but this was recorded on zoom because hashtag covid so um there's some moments where there's some weird sound things um not your speakers not your iphone not your airpods just the recording and we appreciate your patience as we're trying to figure out all of this new stuff within this new platform also want to give you a quick reminder that we are mentioning some breweries or dance companies within this podcast. And just a reminder that we're in no way in affiliation or promoting. We're just sharing um, the businesses that we really love and appreciate during this time. That being said, show your support. Go ahead and do a little bit of research on these um, companies and breweries. And if you can monetarily, just give them a little bit of a donation, purchase a gift card. Um, We all need a little bit of help during this very difficult time that we are hopefully getting out of. Cross your fingers. It is going to happen. Not hopefully. It is happening. So, all right, let's get back to this. I was just going to ask, how's your ballet journey going? I remember you taking a class. (laughs) I, I taught an intro to a ballet class and Christina jumped in. And she did beautifully, but then at the end, she was like, this is my first one I've taken in a long time. I was very nervous. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, I tried to force ballet's relationship into my life, my whole career, and I hate it every time. <laughs> I'm so sorry to say that on your beer and ballet podcast, but I think it okay. relates to what we're saying because yeah. I feel like I never had a teacher that would allow me to feel like I could bring my version, you know, like it was always, it makes me feel like I can't breathe. Like I'm like, okay, the ribs down, the shoulders up, the chin. uh, uh, And I feel like I'm trying to space hold this like body suit that doesn't fit me. And then like pretend to be graceful or something at the same time. And I just feel like a constipated lobster. Like that is my experience (laughs) every time. From I'm, the time totally, I'm using that as a visual now. Constipated <laughs> <laughs> lobster. Just, yeah. <laughs> having a midlife crisis. That's how I feel most times. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there, there have been a couple occasions. I mean, I like the order of it. And I like, like that it's predictable and it has the, these progressions and things. But I think, you know, it, there, there are all these psychology kind of podcasts we could listen to about how long it takes to unlearn a perception or unlearn 
a pattern that you know. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I've told myself that I feel like a constipated lobster having a midlife crisis for so long that it's, it's really hard for me to unlearn that. Yeah. Why I'm so excited about beer and ballet when we can ever fucking get to a brewery again is because I even think changing the location for me would make a huge difference. Like Mm -hmm. that I would be doing the structure of the class in a location that my brain is like, this isn't where this usually happens. And I could be like, right. You know, (laughs) my exoskeleton or whatever. Well, and let's, let's shift to now. So I recently witnessed a show that you did during COVID-19, which was insane. I I mean, (laughs) it was a live show. It was, it was in partnership with uh, University of Maryland at College Park. And, um, Christina, well, first of all, you have this awesome space that you worked in that was above a brewery. Yes. How cool is that? What? I know I didn't, I didn't get to take advantage of it so much, you know, because of the pandemic, but I did get a, a couple brews in there and it was like, I wanted to move back to Massachusetts just for the feeling of that transition studio oh. to brewery. <laughs> I was like, yeah. This is the dream. That's- um, that's the eventual dream of Bayer Ballet. So, hey, y'all listening, y'all have a kajillion. Yeah. yeah, so shout out to Western Ave Studios in cool. Lowell, Massachusetts. It's an old mill building that they turned into artists' loft spaces, uh, mostly for visual artists because uh, there's like partition walls. There's like a four-foot gap in the ceiling between units. So you have to, you know, sound carries, things like that. So so they don't always advertise to performing artists because you might have a sculptor or a painter right next door and they might not want to listen to your monologues all day. Sure. Um, I took a gamble on it and I filled out the application, just wore headphones when I would work um, and try not to dive into the floor too loud, you know, required me to be soft on my feet. But yeah, and then downstairs, on the ground floor is Navigation Brewing. So Western Ave Studios in Lowell Mass and Navigation Brewing Company. And so I could like rehearse for four hours and then walk downstairs and have a couple IPAs. <laughs> if they were like a distant corner table, maybe I could live my full fantasy, which is rehearse upstairs with parsley sleeping in the corner and then go downstairs and read a book with my dog and yeah but yeah and then in this space you ended up doing a live virtual performance of a piece that you started last year yeah (laughs) Um, yeah and it was a huge collaboration process that you had you worked with a graphic designer you worked with a, a musician you worked with I mean a, another dancer that was performing in College Park at the same time. <laughs> That's so crazy. I kind of blacked out that week. I think I, my brain does that. Like I go through extreme periods of stress and I'm like very with it while it's happening. It's very organized on it. Like my output is at like full capacity. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as it's over, I'm like, wait, what happened? And I like forget so many details of the entire experience. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so Andres Polk was the originally going to be the set designer, but then, you know, pandemic. So um, he kind of switched his role to be more of like curator of the feed, the live feed, because we knew we were going to have 
me in my space, uh, Lily Gelfand, she's a cellist that was based in Arizona at the time. Uh, so we had her in her space. Nana Idu was in Maryland uh, as a dancer. And then um, Xavier Taylor, also in Maryland, he's a projection designer. And he was gonna be triggering Isadora live, but through my computer using TeamViewer. My computer was set up to a projector that Xavier was controlling in Maryland. And then Andres, the guy that was originally the set designer, he kind of had this role to choose what you see based on the feeds that he was pulling from. How many cameras did you end up having at the same time? I had five cameras on. Lily had two cameras. I think Nana had two as well, but I think yeah. we might've lost one in the show. Oh, wow. Because yeah, the, the dress rehearsal, we lost three of my cameras and like we had like 30% lag or something. So it was a very different show for dress rehearsal. We, we, the internet gods were with us for the show, so it was much smoother, but. Do you want to tell our audience what your, the title of your piece was? Cause it was kind of fantastic. <laughs> but I was joking around, like, I think it was, you know, in, we only really had four rehearsals with everybody, you know, like four, four or five run throughs of this troubleshooting this. Um, and I think it was in one of the first two rehearsals, it was just falling apart. And I was like, oh, you guys, this is like a crash test. Like, it's just like watching everything exploding and then take, moving it back and looking at it and being like, okay, what happened that time? Um, how do we patch it? So yeah, it was called crash test. And it was <laughs> truly, truly a fucking crash test. Kind of love that. It's just like very like out in the open. Mm -hmm. This is a struggle. It's not, you know, we're learning things. We're adapting as we go, but yeah. don't have high expectations about this safety of this experience. I mean, well, and that's the beauty of COVID, <clears throat> excuse me, COVID right now is like, you totally easily could have done that as a dance film mm. if you really wanted to and took your time to edit like exactly what you wanted the audience to see and the whole nine yards. But, you know, in collaboration with other people, you guys decided, no, we're going to do this live virtually and whatever happens, cross your fingers because that's the beauty of live performance. Anything could go wrong at one time or everything can go right. Right. And I mean, from my point of view, watching it, everything went right. Hardcore. Yeah. It, and it makes it all the more gratifying. I think uh, I did a like little talk back with Xavier and Andres after the show to just like see how we felt about everything. And Xavier was saying that like, it feels so gratifying when things line up or when things like would kind of turn out. <laughs> magically better than we expected or when Andres would be able to overlay things that we had hoped that we could but has never worked before or the projector loop like syncs up when it's supposed to it's like you feel like you're at a sporting event because it has gone wrong so many times or it's been just off and then you're like oh shit like it feels like a surprise when it happens you're like it's like a real gift yeah yeah, and I also just felt like I like that feeling of not knowing how it's going to turn out. And so I, I also really like film editing. I'm like dipping my toes into that as well. But 
it's like a different practice. And I almost feel more pressure making things that are set because it feels like there's more responsibility in your decision-making because it's going to be finite knowing that you could make future edits, but you're making something that is like, this is what it is. You can rewind it and it's going to look the same. Yeah. You know, That terrifies me. It's like the same reason I don't have a fucking tattoo, you know, like I would never be able to decide. So like, and that's why I love live performance is that you do it. It's like what it's going to be. And then it disappears. It's over as soon as it started. Right. You can't do it the same twice. So, well, I know that we're running out of time a little bit, but yeah, I'm starting a new thing. Okay. Where I'm going to do with everybody who comes on to beer and ballet, a rapid fire and search crazy music here. Dun, dun, dun. La, 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 la. I'm just going to ask you a couple of like quick questions. Some of them are goofy as shit. Love it. Others are like, oh, this one's hard, but that's okay. (laughs) Okay. First thought, best thought. First thought, best thought. It's all good. You know me. I love that. Here we go. You're one beer in, right? (laughs) Half. Oh, half. Okay. (laughs) There she goes. Sipping it up. Killing it. All right. What is your second favorite sandwich not your first because you know that i'm gonna know the difference okay okay (laughs) cheese and pickle oh i'm sorry what (laughs) cheese and pickle you know i love my pickles too i have never tried that i'll make one for you i'll make one for you cheese and pickle sandwich what kind of cheese cheddar cheddar duh oh cheddar cheddar and then any sort of type of pickle or just a dill pickle or like slice up a dill yep Slice up a dill. I think that's probably like a pregnant woman's dream. Like, I feel like, yeah. Pickle and cheese. But I want to try it. Get in there. I'll make you one. Okay, we'll, we'll do that next time I see you. What, this one's a tough one. What is your greatest fear? Oh, I know that right off the top. Oh, cool. Dark water. Dark water and dark Oh, hell yeah. Yes. I have a nightmare that I wake up in water, like in the middle of the ocean at night, treading water, and I can't see anything. (laughs) It's the most terrifying thing of all time. I like pick up my legs. Like, I'm like, no. (laughs) We went, um, because, you know, we just moved here to Baltimore, and I, oh God, this is terrible of me, but I don't know what river it was, but we went on it. And, you know, they were like, jump in. It's great. So I did. And I was terrified the entire time. And of course, Ricky was like, I'm going to go down to the bottom and touch the sand and get you a shell. And I was like, no, there's aliens down there. Who knows? (laughs) I'm terrified. Yeah. No No way. No. No. What was the very first dance you ever saw? Ever saw? Ever saw. Right? Fuck, I don't know. Terrible. Oh, I do remember. I don't know if it was the first, but it's one that I can remember off the top of my head. Yep. My mom took me to Swan Lake because she got tickets from somebody and was like, oh, my kid dances. Like, I was pretty young. And I was so bored. And I looked at my mom and I said, geez, enough of the swans already. (laughs) She was like, okay, apparently ballet is not your thing. (laughs) Ballet, like 
negativity kind of happened way in the beginning. I'm here, now. <laughs> I'm here to turn it around. I'm here to turn it around. I see you. I'm not afraid anymore. You're not. You're not afraid anymore. As long as we can hold a beer at the same time. <laughs> what was your very first dance? Oh, codfish ball. <laughs> it's called codfish ball. That was Broadway Dance Academy or whatever it was. Uh, yep, tap dance. It was like shuffle step, shuffle step, heel toe step, and heel toe step. Falafel change, falafel change, falafel change, falafel change, codfish ball. Dee, 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 dee. I don't know. That's what I can remember. <laughs> Isn't that terrible? That like that's the thing about dancers is you could just call back on the shit that happened when you were three. Yeah, I still remember Barbie Girl. Like we did Barbie Girl. Oh we, my god. There was another one that was super embarrassing that I don't remember. It had feathers in it. So oh yeah. The costumes. We got to talk about the costumes on another podcast. Yeah, we'll do another one where we talk about that. It. Uh huh. Um. What's your favorite dance step? And this can include, which we'll have another podcast about this. Any of your TikTok adventures that I know that you're having. Oh. Oh gosh, my favorite move. It can also be like a modern ballet step too. If this is like, I, I feel like this is embarrassing because I'm going to describe it and it's going to seem like nonsense, but if you could see it. <laughs> you want to do it and I'll try to describe it? Okay. It's so, it's so silly though. You're going to be like, wait, what? <laughs> but this is my, okay. I'm going to show you my butt because the butt is where it happens. Oh, okay. So. I love like when you're teaching floor work or like, you know, talking about like smoothness and transition in the floor. Uh-huh. I feel like this, when I figured this out, it was like the key for me in linking moves on the floor. Okay. Can you let everybody butt? know. I can see her butt. Okay. We're down on the ground. She's sitting on her legs. She's slowly rolling her right booty cheek down to the floor. That's it. Oh, that's it. <laughs> oh that's legit it, you know like i i hadn't done much floor work for, like dancing for sean you don't go to the floor very often and then when i started dancing for david it was like everything was in the floor and my rolls always looked like, like oh you she, know what I mean? she just flopped people she just flopped like a fish and so when you want to like you want to like, uh... smear it so it's like then you started thinking about diagonals in space, like the diagonal between your sits bone and the floor when you just. <laughs> but if I had to pick like a move, sometimes I floss for fun, just because oh, okay. it comes very natural to me. It took me three days to figure that out, by the way. Oh my gosh. Is it external? Is it rotating? Is it, we don't know. We no have one knows. Uh, what's your favorite type of beer? IPA all the way. IPA all the way. Do you have like a favorite, favorite IPA? Um, I don't know if it's an IPA actually, but I'm going to look it up right now. It's called Mo. Oh, okay. And it is Pale Ale. Oh, it's Pale Ale. Pale Ale, main beer company. Its flavor profile is tangerine, apricot, and orange with notes of passion fruit, pine, and malt sweetness. Ooh, 
it's flirty it's good it's like it's a really good summer beer i yeah. loved it yeah i've only had it twice but my brother is supposed to be sending me some oh good shout out to bro and then last one do you have a favorite brewery um there's a beer that i really like called pseudo sue which is made in iowa i think toppling goliath brewery oh okay i feel like i've heard of them before yeah i think it's in um i'm pretty sure it's in iowa but uh yeah toppling goliath brewing company okay all right we'll give them a shout out and that way they they know that they that you love them and maybe you can get a sponsorship or something you know oh that would be great i would love it if dancers had beer sponsorships right oh my god that dream come true right dear lord yeah really i just want adidas and toppling goliath how cool would that be I mean, I'm not asking for much, people. Just a pair of track pants and some runners every now and then. Yeah, listen. You heard it here first, people. (laughs) Get it together. Come on now. (laughs) Come on, grant writers. (laughs) On it. Well, Christina, how can our how can our listeners keep a hold of you? Keep track of you? Um, you working on anything that we should keep a keep an eye on out for? (laughs) Not totally, but I have like a pretty regular practice of sharing how I'm moving and what I'm thinking about on Instagram. So uh, you can follow me on Instagram at Christina Janey, C-H-R-I-S-T-I-N-A-J-A-N-E-Y. That's me. (laughs) So, Well, Christina, thanks so much for hanging out with me. Of course. I love what you're doing. You're doing amazing things. You're you're turning uh, constipated lobsters into glorious spiritual beings, one person at a time. So thanks for uh, spending your time with me and for spreading the love of ballet and beer. Anytime, anytime. We'll have to have you back because there's there's a couple of other questions that I want to have with you about your research of social media and dance. Because that's oh, a, we didn't even get in there. We didn't even get in there, but I feel like it's a long conversation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> also, I'd like to make a request that you start another branch of beer and ballet where p- people can bring their dogs, and it's like you know, like you know, like mommy and me yoga. Oh It'll- yeah. It would be like me and my dog at the bar ballet. I love that. Oh, we're doing it. I'm going to name it Parsley Day, though. Okay. Sounds good. As long as I can put like a little ballet skirt on her. Oh, my God. Yes. We're going to make this happen one day. It's going to be great. I love it. Well, thanks, friends, for listening and listening to us chat and Um, like Christina said, if you want to learn more about her, check her out on Instagram. You want to learn more about us, check us out on Instagram. Um, in case you haven't heard already, we are selling t-shirts, tank tops, long sleeves. We're moving up in the world to go represent. Um, so feel free to check us out and, um, and hang out with us next time on Beer and Palais podcast. So bye everybody. Enjoy the rest of your week and we'll see you next time. Woo! Woo!